Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. The 12 Days of Spawn marches on with Spawn number 8. So if you don't know what we're doing, we're talking about Spawn for 12 days in a row leading up to Christmas. This is a little sneak preview of what you're going to get in 2022, and Rocky and I are going to try to read a, a ton of Spawn. <laughs> we're going to try to get caught up. So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, as I said, we're up to issue number 8. This is the first issue that's written by somebody other than Todd McFarlane himself. So it's not, you know, stories, pencils, inks by Todd McFarlane. The story here is actually by Alan Moore. Uh, Todd McFarlane is credited as the artist, Tom Orzakowski on letters, Steve Olaf on colors. And, you know, I am sort of curious how much input McFarlane had into this story. Cause you know, you figure Alan Moore, typically what he does, it's a little Morrison-esque. Uh, I guess you'd say, I mean, obviously Alan Moore came a long time before Grant Morrison, but uh, he, Moore was always somebody who really mined the kind of the history of the character. So with somebody like Spawn, there's not really any history to mine. So he, I mean, did he obviously he probably read the previous issues, but it, it, it dovetails in very well to what McFarlane was doing, but with a lot fewer words. Um, so this is, probably in terms of in terms of structure in terms of like technically making a comic it's probably the best one of the first at least not, of what we've read so far not so wordy like. less exposition yeah, <laughs> yeah it lets the uh, art do this the heavy lifting and and here's the other thing and uh, i'll see if you agree Rocky. I feel like this is the best art we've seen too. And maybe it's because McFarlane didn't have to worry about the script that he just got to, to draw. I feel like the art in this one, maybe it's McFarlane cutting loose because it's in this sort of, I don't know, dream afterworld kind of thing. <laughs> this is many years before the matrix, but it has a little bit of a matrix feel in terms of the pods that people are growing in. But I don't know. I feel like this is, this is the best art that McFarlane gives us in the, in the first you know, issues that we've read so far. Maybe it's the art that seems most like what we got from him in his Marvel years. So, yeah, uh, it's, I have to confess, I have to confess that when I read this, I didn't realize until you told me that Alan Moore wrote this. And uh, I've been so drowned in exposition by Todd McFarlane in the, in the previous seven issues that this read effortlessly. And I thought Alan Moore captures the, I think he captures the, the, the tone and the mood of McFarlane's script very well. But, uh, as you alluded to, there is much less exposition and it works just as well. And it allows Todd McFarlane to show off his art a little bit more. So it's going to be interesting to see as we review all these issues of Spawn, how Todd McFarlane himself evolves as a writer. If he maybe takes some lessons as he learns from Alan Moore here and some other guest writers that he might have from time to time. Yeah. Issue nine is Neil Gaiman, you know, the, oh. and that's a whole nother thing with the lawsuit and, and all that kind of thing. But anyway, <laughs> issue eight, uh, it starts off and we see this, sort of shadowy form of uh, spawn and somebody's talking, they're narrating the issue, talking about the, the worst thing that ever happened. And honestly, that he doesn't think he's over what happened to him. He killed 27 kids and kept the bodies in the ice cream truck. And at that point we know, well, this is Billy Kincaid that's sort of narrating here. Uh, and we, we find out that yeah, after spawn killed him, He's been sort of reborn in this afterlife. Like I said, one of those little pods kind of looks like the pods that the people are trapped in in the Matrix, and his body's sort of regrowing itself. And uh, he's yeah. talking about the, the terror of being killed or whatever. And then eventually, uh, the, the pod he's in breaks off 
uh, maybe because of the weight that he's fully grown. It breaks off of the branch that it's on. It hits the ground and it kind of bursts open and he realizes he's, he's butt naked and sticky. <laughs> so he, he kills a lizard and takes his skin and uh, gives him something to, to wear while he's, uh, while he's in this place. Um, and it isn't too long before he's, I guess, hatched, we'll say, uh, that he meets up with some other, you know, supposed survivors. Uh, there's a blonde woman, there's an older man, there's an older, uh, African-American woman. There's a kind of a shorter, dumpy, uh, chubby guy. And then there's a, a little girl and they're sort of explaining to him. Yeah. They, they all died. Um, and then they woke up in this sort of otherworldly orchard and the little girl, Jessica, um, seems to have the most knowledge of this place for whatever reason. And of course, Billy's instantly attracted to her. Um, says, my name is Billy Kincaid. Mr. Chili's my professional name. Um, you know, what, what should we do since we're, you know, all here, <laughs> you know, what, what's, what's to do here, but beyond just survive. And little girl, Jessica's like, well, there's, there's 10 deadlands. There's 10 spheres, you know, one inside the other. This is the lowest sphere, the the uh, reception area. If you want to have access to the other spheres, you've got to climb climb the tower. Um, and while she's talking, all of a sudden this bright light shines down from above, and the, the African American woman's like, "Oh, I knew when I went in for my gallbladder operation, they wouldn't forget about me." You know, she's very religious, and she thinks this light that's shining down on her is is God. And we see this sort of otherworldly, robotic, yet angelic sort of creature i mean just immense gigantic in terms of the what these humans look like but she's got flaming hair she's got a halo she's got wings uh but she's got a very robotic looking neck and arms and she's asking about who sings the songs and the black woman's like oh me i, I sing them all the time and she's like okay great grabs her and, and heads off <laughs> and uh when she leaves she leaves on a rocket pack and they're like well that's not an angel angel wouldn't have a, a a motor on on their back and jessica's like oh that was a soul trapper from the sixth sphere they keep souls as pets there and this year uh the fashionable thing is to have singers last year it was acrobats so one down so to speak as these uh people are, are trying to survive and uh when jessica goes to sleep that night billy kincaid ever the child predator you know stares at her and and wonders um you know what his his move his next move might be um, but eventually he falls asleep and he, he has nightmares of somebody in a flapping cloak with chains and spikes and skulls. And he never wants to see that thing again. Obviously it's, it's spawn that he's thinking about. He's, he's having nightmares about being killed. And so the next day, and it's never quite clear what exactly they're trying to do or go, but they, they do get up, they're moving around and, uh, not five minutes after they get up and start on their trek, there's a, a ray that comes from the sky and disintegrates the older guy. And again, uh, the little girl, Jessica, ever the know-it-all. Oh, that was a prime monad from the highest sphere, the 10th. They <laughs> handpick souls to use as circuitry in the macro computer. You don't see that every day. Yeah. Uh, so your, your friend's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's name was Larry. Yeah. yeah Larry had old. a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Lucky Larry. Right. Like, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Billy even thinks that. Well, there's not enough of Lucky Larry left to bury, so we just kind of... <laughs> move on and and next fat bob is the one to sort of meet his maker uh he loves elvis apparently and so there's this other being who disguises itself as uh, as elvis and and ends up devouring bob and again there's jessica to explain it oh that's a 
a thuggin met abuse from the fifth sphere. They they get addicted to the drug rush of of eating souls or snorting souls or in, in you know ingesting souls in some way. So there goes Bob. You know he's the next one to to get it. And then no no sooner do we turn the page that um, the girl Kimberly that's what her name is. She's like, oh, look at this beautiful crystal. It's just like a crystal I used to have back on Earth. And before she knows it, the crystal is actually kind of the back abdomen of this insect-like creature. And it envelops her and off she goes. So now she's gone. So now it's just Billy and this this little girl, Jessica. Um, and he's thinking, man, I, I'm not sure if I can even sleep with you know the way this place is so scary and spooky and you know threatening but but when he does finally fall asleep that night he does have the dreams of spawn again um and again this is all uh this is all done really really well in terms of the vocabulary and sort of the mood that uh, alan moore is setting with uh, again an economy of words like rocky was saying there's not we're not covering up the mcfarland art with just tons of exposition like mcfarland had had done himself um so eventually he he wakes up from his bad dream. He's like, you know what? I need to calm me down. I'm so jittery. Uh, I need to do what I do best, basically. And so he go finally goes to attack Jessica. Uh, and right as he grabs her by the throat and he's about to choke the life out of her, we see this crack start to form in her forehead. And she says, well, it's about time. I wonder how long it'd be before you croak the know-it-all bitch. Glad <laughs> to see you still have what it takes, Chili. And she cracks open and come to find out it was never Jessica at all. It's uh, it's the violator. But what's interesting is, and again, I don't know if it's because McFarlane had more time to to work on the art here because he wasn't writing. He looks a little more insect, spider-like, more well-defined than he did in the, the early issues. And yeah. in, in my mind, like creepier. <laughs> like he just looked sort of weird before, but when McFarlane depicts him here, he's... Uh, He's kind of terrifying, much, much more horrific in my mind. And he introduces himself as Violator. Uh, he says, great disguise, right? Sorry about entrapping you, but we wanted to see if you were the kind of guy that's worthy of going to the eighth sphere. And he starts chasing uh, Billy and Billy runs toward the tower. I, you know, again, maybe he thinks he can escape. And as he's running up the tower, um, he quickly runs out of gas. And he's like, I can't go anymore. Violator picks him up. And then as they're climbing up the tower, the violator sort of narrating what what each of the levels are uh and then eventually when they get to the the eighth level or what the violator calls home we see and, and again that we it's exposition in terms of we're learning more about al simmons and spawn because they decide that billy is an evil soul and remember malabolgia wants to recruit people for his army for his fight against heaven um and they say okay Malabolgia has his special slaveware, and we'll uh, whistle up yours. Let me introduce you to K3 Miralu. She's a constantly evolving neural parasite, and it <laughs> it's basically looks like the Spawn costume. And so Billy is bonded to this Spawn-looking costume with the skull and the cape and the spikes and the chains, just like uh, Spawn was. And you know, he, he talked about his nightmares. That was the last thing he ever wanted to see. Now that's him every time he looks in the mirror. So obviously he doesn't exactly have the same sort of muscular build that Al Simmons does. So wearing yeah. the skin tight outfit doesn't quite look the way you would want it to look. And he's, he's sort of complaining. Billy is like, this isn't fair. 
The afterlife shouldn't be full of alien monsters, shouldn't be processing cattle like humans. And uh, Violator's like, good, evil, forget about all that. Um, you know, we're running a business down here. And whenever you're uh, in the, the lobby of, of hell, it's not good or evil that you see carved anywhere. It's two other words. Uh, and what they say is this, caca happens, little buddy. Caca happens, uh, as Billy's presented before Malabolgia's uh, one of his soldiers. And we see in the background, in the foreground, a bunch of other uh, souls that are have bonded to that sort of living parasite. So um, yeah, it, early it, on, you know, in, in only in only issue eight, we're introduced to the, to the idea that there's many, many hell spawns uh, that exist in this universe. Yeah. And just it, it, it sort of alludes to your your earlier point that so, that this is written by Alan Moore. And this is this isn't Alan Moore referencing uh, a rich history of Spawn. They're, he's actually creating it. He's building on it. He's actually, I mean, uh, McFarlane is actually using Alan Moore to actually expand the mythology of Spawn early on because we, were, we weren't aware that, that, the, that the devil, that Malabrosia had this number of hell Spawn on, the, on, the, on, this, eighth, on this eighth sphere of hell <laughs> where the Vindicator is one of these Flebiac brothers who is one of the, he, he's in charge of recruiting all these people in this eighth sphere of hell. I mean, Alan Moore is doing some uh, mythology building here for McFarlane's uh, character, which is uh, quite interesting. I never thought about it that way before. And like you said, with Neil Gaiman coming in next issue, it, uh, this was th this was actually quite interesting. This I thought this employed misdirection quite well. I was actually, I actually have open questions. Like all these characters that, Billy Kincaid met when Billy Kincaid woke up and he's in hell and all these characters he met Larry Claudette Bob little Jessica who was of course the temptation because Billy Kincaid is a he's a pedophile bastard you know I I wondered well who is Larry who's Claudette and I kept asking myself well what did they do wrong how did they end up in hell and and the impression I got was that this was just was it this was all just an illusion, some elaborate ruse, some elaborate hallucination that Billy Kincaid it was just a mind game played by by the Vindicator that at least that that's what it appears like to me. And all all just with the way of just sort of toying with him to play with his mind and then at the end, torture him some more before forcing this this sick parasite on him, this K3 Merlu, as you said, that basically turns him into a fat spawn. So it's uh. This is, uh, like I said, I, I think this is probably one of the more interesting issues. This is one of the the better ones, and and as you said, the the more conservative use of of uh, narration really helped that that really helped this story being told because it was a more conservative use of language, uh, which allowed uh, McFarland to you know show off more of his art, his art. Yeah, and I wonder. I mean, did McFarland recruit Alan Moore and say just do whatever you want? Or was it, yeah. you know, what was this a collaboration? Like, hey, I, I, I want to expand on this. You know, the idea of Spawn, that there's many, many hell Spawn. I mean, certainly we, we saw in McFarland's early stories where he's, you know, through Malabolja, he's talking about having a, a, an army of millions and needing millions more. So, yeah, I, I kind of wonder uh, about that. But, yeah, it, it's done very well. And, and, yeah, there are a lot of open questions. But the story you know whether it's an illusion whether it's a purgatory afterlife 
where these people, maybe they weren't that bad, but they were just bad enough to end up there or whatever. The, it sort of doesn't matter because Alan Moore gives us uh, like a satisfying enough conclusion when we sort of see Billy Kincaid get his comeuppance and we know he's going to spend the rest of his life suffering because, again, no subtlety from Todd McFarlane. Kincaid is a bad guy. Uh, and even even after Spawn kills him, you know, for him being a, a pedophile, even in the afterlife, he goes to attack a kid. Like this is a guy who never will learn. Uh, and so, yeah, we well, there's a there's a sense of satisfaction in the ending that Billy Kincaid gets what's coming to him. And there's also a sense of ominous uh, foreboding because the question I have is, and I don't I don't remember the answer to this because I have to. <laughs> I'm reading these stories. I feel almost for the first time at this point is. You know, he's got this massive army. Why doesn't he attack the Earth? Like, why doesn't he go to the reality and attack reality? If he's got all these hell spawn, I don't, I don't know if I quite understand why is, why is Al Simmons allowed to be spawn on Earth and these spawns, all these hell spawns are trapped in hell? What has to happen for Malabrosia to unleash his hellish army on Earth? I don't know what has to happen yet because otherwise, why doesn't Malabrosia? Why doesn't he just release all these hellspawn on Earth now? What's he waiting for? Why is Al Simmons given the honor or privilege of being on Earth to do what he wants, but not all these other hellspawn? What's so special about Al Simmons? I'm not sure if I know the answer to that, and maybe that will be revealed. But uh, it's a uh, it poses a, some interesting question. It, it definitely makes me go, hmm, you know. So. Interesting. It's 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 a it's definitely a nice it's a nice appetizer. What's the appetite for future issues? Yeah, and this isn't the last issue of Spawn that Alan Moore will write. Um, he does some some other issues later on, uh, specifically one where Spawn fights somebody or something that is a little bit unexpected. So, uh, <laughs> but all in all, this is a yeah, it's a really solid issue. But you know, I, I did look around to see if I could find some some like interviews or news articles of the time to talk a little bit. Cause I basically what I wanted to know was, was this Alan Moore just taking what McFarland had already built and telling a story or did McFarland say, Hey, come and tell a story. Um, I, I need to expand on the mythology, you know, like how much input into the story did, did Todd McFarland have? I mean, if he's smart, he didn't have any, he's just like, Hey, Alan Moore, go do your thing, you know, and I'll just draw it. But I was I was curious, but I couldn't find anything. So if I'm curious if anybody knows, or it'll be something I'll ask Todd, and who knows if he'll even remember being that this is like 30 years ago now. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, super enjoyable issue for sure, and I it has me really excited to read the Nil Gaming because I have to admit I didn't remember the what happened in issue eight. Like looking at the cover, I was trying to remember. I'm like, what is issue eight about? That's the one that Alan yeah. Moore wrote. Like I didn't remember at all. Obviously, we know issue nine has Angela on the cover, and it's it's Angela, so that one's you know kind of stands out. But still, Neil Gaiman haven't read it in thirty years, so that'll be on uh, on tomorrow's Spawn Miss uh, Day Nine. So be sure you join us for that. Uh, anything else to add about this issue, Rocky? I just you know, there's a Pyrian fanboy in me. I just want to give a call out to the character known as Kimberly. She looks like a beautiful cave woman here. I mean, the <laughs> breasts. I mean, we call them back in the back in the forties. We called this we this we called them headlights. This would have been a headlight comic. Uh, this was wow. I mean, uh, check out the size of the eyes on this uh, Kimberly character. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of this is provocative uh and uh 
you know, uh, it, I just find it ironic that Billy Kincaid, that, you know, he's, you know, he's surrounded by this beautiful woman, Kimberly, and sick pedophile bastard that he is, he's, he's eyeing up little Jessica. There's something sick and disgusting about Billy Kincaid, obviously. And again, he's such a disgusting character, disgusting human that, that even though we, you know, the final fate of Billy Kincaid, uh, the fact that it all, it's almost disturbing to me a little bit that Billy Kincaid gets to survive as a hell spawn because I want the guy to continue to suffer in hell. I don't want that bastard to be able to be a hell spawn. You know what I mean? So I, it almost kind of like it was it's satisfying that he's in hell. But at the same time, I don't like the fact that evil bastards get a second chance, even at being a soldier in hell. You know what I mean? So uh, I kind of like how that disturbs me too. There's a, there's a sickening aspect to that. That just There's a disturbing element to this comic in Billy Kincaid that's just, it's eerie and it's a little perturbing and disturbing. And, you know, it's, you know, it kind of leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, but in a good way, you know, it's like, oh, this is, this is a sick character, but yet it's got Pyrian fanboy. It's got a little bit of provocativeness. It's got evil. It's got violence. It's, it's touching, it's touching all the, it's touching all the buttons, so to speak. So, you know, again, I, I, I continue to just have a shit eating grin on my face. And like I said before, in previous issues, all the characters with shit eating grins on their faces in, in McFarlane Spawn, they're all bad guys. So that says, that's why I'm wearing the naughty hat right now. So <laughs> for yeah, the eighth day definitely. of the 12 days of Spawnness. <laughs> yeah, definitely the case. So, uh, all right, everybody, be sure you join us uh, tomorrow for day nine of, uh, of Spawnness. And be sure you're uh, heading over to YouTube. Do a search for Comic Boom, Comic Space Boom, exclamation point. Subscribe to Rocky's channel so you don't miss any content. Uh, also, be sure you're subscribed to the Comic Source podcast on your favorite podcasting app or platform. So once again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate. We hope it's a joyous time. Uh, and we appreciate the support as always. We'll talk to you next time. Feliz Navidad. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.